Salutations, snacks, and welcome to another episode of White Heat here with Godzilla Media. But before we get knee deep into the show, just want to remind you of our friends over at Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you, over on Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia. Listen, I know my brother, he's looking for a vehicle because we have three people living in this apartment, only two cars. He wants his freedom. He wants to go wherever he wants without having to check in on me or my wife or whatever to use a vehicle so you know he's looking for one inventory is low though which means he's got to rely on people like you who might want to trade in a vehicle you know and that's the big thing with dealers right now they want trade-ins they want to build up that inventory because they have a shortage because of covid over the past 12 to 18 months and what that did to the market well then you're trading your car you got money in your hand but what do you do you can't just turn around and buy another vehicle on their lot because to odds are you're not going to find anything you're going to want on that lot. Well, Mohawk Honda, not only will they give you top dollar for your trade-in, they have a huge, huge lot full of inventory for you to choose from. The largest inventory of vehicles, in fact, in the capital region of upstate New York. And that means you can choose the right one for you. Yeah, some other dealers are going to talk about their values and you know what, what, what they want to show you, but really... Mohawk Honda, they think about your values and your needs. Meanwhile, Mohawk Honda, their values, it's simple. They have a value in their selection, and they value in how you should be treated at Mohawk Honda. Don't feel pressure to buy something from another dealer because it's the best they can do or you're just in a jam and you just want to pick something quick. No, 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 no. Go to Mohawk Honda and buy the vehicle you deserve. Their vast selection of certified pre-owned vehicles is guaranteed to fit your needs and your lifestyle, not just the values of what the other dealers think is best for you. So this summer, selection is king, and get yourself over to Mohawk Honda where no one has anything more to choose from and where they will always go out of their way to please you. And now let's get stuck into it. All right, here we go. Let's get into episode seven of white heat as I am now joined by my co-host JJ Alexander. Oh, what a dramatic entrance for you, sir, with the, uh, the smoke. Good for you. Um, just a reminder, once again, we are presented by Gazilla media, Mohawk Honda. And of course, if you, uh, you want to follow us, our socials uh, on Twitter, I'm at Brian Cady, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-D-Y. He's simple, nice and simple, uh, at JJ underscore Alexander. If you don't know how to spell JJ or Alexander, you should go back to the second grade. And email, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, gripes, you just want to bitch about something, by all means, go ahead. Brian.Cady at GazillaMedia.com, G-O-Z-I-L-L-A Media.com. That all being said... Uh, we're coming in from a, a weekend off just because, you know, my schedule was nuts, your schedule was nuts, and now we're getting into the 4th of July weekend coming up as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, July 1st. So, uh, how you been? I know we've been in touch, but, you know, just in general, you know, you know what's up? Uh, let's see here. <laughs> what is up? Um, so, uh, last Sunday, I actually got to take a nice little day trip up to, uh, Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, haven't been there since before COVID. Uh, it's nice to go in the summer months because if you go in October, it's like going to Times Square at uh, New Year's. It's just horrible. Mm -hmm. So it's, super it's a bit more, Halloween. oh yeah, it's, it's a bit more laid back, but like, I kind of learned that, uh, 
I've still got limitations because like I'm still using the knee scooter with the off-road tires, but I'm like, oh yeah, I can get around Salem. And then I forgot that a lot of stuff is uphill and that was a bitch. So I was hurting for the next couple of days after that. <laughs> and then here's the beautiful thing that I've been going through this week was um, I'm still going through fucking iron lung treatments, the hyperbaric oxygen. Mm-hmm. So the place I go to is like five minutes from my house. And uh, the tech that runs it, she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going on vacation next week. Blah, blah, blah. I haven't, you know, it's a, I planned a year in advance and everything. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, I'm like, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, my wife uh, took her vacation, one of her vacations from work this week because she always takes the like the, the week before or the week of our anniversary off. So I was just like, oh, that's great. You know, I'll be able to get back and forth. No problem because she'll be here and everything. And then it gets dropped on me Friday. She's like, yeah, they're not sending anyone here to cover for me. So you don't have any treatments next week. And I'm like, that's not good. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not good. I'm pretty sure this is something that has to be like continuous. Like, obviously like I can miss like two days. Cause like it's only on weekdays, but mm-hmm. you're talking, you're talking about a weekend, an entire week and then a holiday weekend with an extra day. So you're talking 11 days with nothing. Like that doesn't sound good. No point. So I went, and saw, I went and saw my doctor on Tuesday, and I told them about it, and they were like, "The fuck, bro!" And I was just like, "Well, what can I do about it?" They're like, "Well, you can get here in the morning at eight o'clock. You can use the chamber here for the next three days." I'm like, "Looks like I am." <laughs> so, luckily, I got to make up the dates, and I got one more there, and then I go back to my home base for I've got like 13 more treatments left. And then we pray that I'm out the woods. <laughs> so what's, what's kind of funny is, and we're going to get into the wrestling stuff in a second, but um, cause we were chit chatting a little bit last night and this is going to lead into our first topic, by the way, that we'll get to, but we were chit chatting last night because um, you proclaimed uh "Quote unquote," there was nothing on TV. Remember <laughs> that. Remember that in a minute, folks. Remember, so, I'm a cord cutter too. So, okay. So, um, I brought up baseball to you, and we got into a brief baseball conversation. So, speaking of baseball, Tuesday, the uh, the summer college league team that I do announcing for around here, yep. they had a doubleheader scheduled for five o'clock. Um. So we get to about the third inning and it starts to downpour here. So that's about a half hour rain delay. Yeah. Then um, the opposing team was just doing a shit ton of mound visits and pitching changes and all that jazz in the first game of the doubleheader. So fast forward to the bottom of the sixth, we have another rain delay. The first game, okay, now double headers are two games of seven innings. The first game started at five. It didn't end till 8.45. Seven Uh, innings. It was to the point where I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, they're playing each other again Thursday. Maybe they'll just decide, fuck it, we'll we'll push the second game to make a double header on Thursday. No, no, the opposing team their manager was an asshole and said, nope, we want to do it now. So uh, what should have been hypothetically about 
a four and a half, five hour night turned into a seven hour night. And it was humid in the 90s. And uh, I wanted just, I wanted to punch everybody in the opposing team right in the face because they were being assholes the whole night. So, yeah. yeah. So that was, um, that was my Tuesday night. Lovely. <laughs> I was getting stupendous. Um, but anyways, I just want to get that off my chest. So the first topic I want to cover um, is going back to that conversation we had last night. Because in the nothing on TV conversation, you decided you were so bored and so just desperate for entertainment. And we'll use that word loosely here. You left yourself no other choice at that point but to turn on the show you've been avoiding to watch for a long time. Um, you actually turned on AEW Dynamite. Um, yeah, so... Do you, you want to really get into your thoughts on that quick? Oh, I will in a second. But, like, it goes along the lines of, yeah, there really wasn't nothing on because I'm a cord cutter. So, I mean, granted, I... Granted, I have Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix, and I have a thousand things in my queue on, like, everything. But I was just, like, regular TV. And I was just, like, I am so sick of people telling me that I'm not giving it a chance. And blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm, like, I gave them a chance. I watched their first fucking pay-per-view and their fucking, what do you call it? uh, The first one that was, like, free on Bleacher Report, the, the first Fighter Fest, I think. And I was just like, and I wasn't impressed. And they were like, well, it's been two years, blah, blah, blah. You should really give it just completely negating the fact that I boycotted because the fucking young bucks tried to blackball me from the wrestling industry a few years ago. Anyways, I was like, you know something fine. I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it a fresh set of eyes. But the thing is, because you know, because everyone jokes, I I I do habitually listen to Jim Cornette's podcast and listen to him eviscerate AEW on a weekly basis. So I'm like, I'll look at it, and the thing is, I look at it from a worker standpoint, from someone who has trained, from someone who has learned ring psychology, from someone who has learned how to cut a proper promo, for someone who has learned how to book a show, and not to toot my own horn, but I think I book a show rather smoothly. Yes, yes, you do. There might be a, a wrench here, and this is not me to, to nitpick, but uh, there is uh, a person, and you know who I'm referring to. He shall remain nameless in our in our regards. He, he had a tendency of getting diva and making shit go longer than it should have. I think you know who I'm getting to. Oh, um, yeah. But that that that's been addressed. It seems like so. We'll, we're going to move forward from that. But go ahead. But yeah, but so I was just like, fine, Uh, you know. And and granted, I didn't catch it right from the beginning. I missed like the first like twenty minutes or so. I turned it on in the middle of the Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky promo, and that entire show was a fucking abomination. Like, I mean, you obviously know because I was sitting there messaging you, going, "What the fuck?" Like. I just need to, like, I'm going to pull up my fucking notes on this shit because this is fucking ridiculous. Like, I got I got to pull this shit up because fucking like da 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 That's pretty okay. much how all yeah. their promos sound. Da, 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 da. Okay. 
So like the Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky promo, they get cut off by Darby Allen and Sting. Darby comes into the ring and goes after Ethan Page. Scorpio Sky just has his back to Sting, who like slowly lumbers in for the worst sneak attack I've ever seen to give him the Scorpion death drop. I'm like, dude, you're fucking 60. You're a risk of being paralyzed for life. I don't care how much money they're giving you. Fucking stop. For your own fucking health. And then like fucking so then like they had fucking Jungle Boy against I don't even remember who the fuck he went against. But like the only reason Jungle oh, that Boy was, um, um, Oh, it is Jack Evans. Jack Evans, thank you. The thing is, I used to like Jack Evans way back early ROH generation next Jack Evans. Yep. That Jack Evans was good. This Jack Evans looks like fucking drug addict hobo or something. Like it's j- j- like where like I don't get how the dude's like 15 years older and somehow looks even more like an 11 year old now than he did when he was like 20. Like it's it and like the only reason Jungle Boy is over is because Tarzan Boy is his entrance music and the whole crowd gets to fucking sing along with it. It's like the fucking socks and fucking Sweet Caroline. Because it came up in conversation, and that's how annoying it is. That's that that's the point I'm making. But like, like literally, and it's like, and they're panning to the crowd, and not even the whole crowd's doing it. There's literally they fucking pan to a dude who is sitting there like this. Huh. Like, this is how much your fucking audience cares. And like I understand that we're not in the land of the giants anymore. It's not the 80s. It's not fucking steroids on buffet. Like, I get that. Athletes have become smaller, you know, just that that's the way it trends. But Jungle Boy is 165 pounds, and you announce him as that. And he has no muscle definition. Like, he has no tone. He has, like, like he looks like it's, he looks like Luke Perry's son who didn't age past 14. Like, that's, it's all great that you're living your dream as a wrestler kid. That's all. And they're like, he's now, he's out now had 50 wins in AEW. I'm like, and? Like, so? And just, it's, I don't know. Like, it just, it's like, the only argument I'm gonna make there quick, the only argument I'm gonna make quick is that wasn't there a time um was there a time during his first run in WWE? This would be kind of nitpicking. Wasn't there a time where they would regularly announce Rey Mysterio's weight and it was like what was it, 170, 175 in the time is prime when he was and then they eventually took it from being the world heavyweight title to just the world title when he was holding it like in that range yeah and that but that was also because ray was a luchador and ray and ray was like ray was supposed to be the giant killer he was supposed to be the biggest little man and the thing was like ray was known as being a cruiserweight luchador like he helped build that division in wcw so that's kind of a horse of a different color okay 
especially because luchadors run smaller, do flippies, blah, blah, blah. Jungle Boy, like, he's just, like, there. Like, Jungle Boy looks like, like, because he's Luke Perry's son, like, Jungle Boy and David Arquette should, like, hit the indie circuit and bilk stupid promoters out of big amounts of money and call themselves, like, the Hollywood brunettes. Like, that's where he should be. Bilking indie promoters. <laughs> and then, all right, continue. <laughs> like Hollywood brunettes, like something stupid like that, you know. And just fucking like MJF cuts a good promo. We already know that MJF will wake up one day and realize that he doesn't belong there, and he'll let, he'll show up in NXT one day. I have no doubt. And MJF is like the shining star of that fucking company that they're just keeping in this little fucking bubble against Jericho. Like they won't like he could be their fucking heel champion and be believable, but Hey, what do I know? Um, and just the, the fucking, like there was a fucking so much fucking bullshit. Like fucking, where was it? Babyface is cheating to win in the women's tag match. We're going to get Q- Cody versus QT Marshall again next week. Like, didn't that feud end when he got attacked by fucking Whiskey A Go Go at the end? Like, fucking. And fucking. Dude, the main event. The main event. Sammy Guevara against MJF. I'm seeing people going, this is a great main event. No, it was fucking video game moves with no psychology. MJF gave this kid a tombstone off the top fucking rope. Kid kicks out at two. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? It was just flips, 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 does the 630, kick out, kick out, kick out. And then what's the finish? One chair shot from Sean Spears and a slow cover. Because fucking, uh, because not Mason Ryan was uh, choke, about to choke slam Jericho off of the fucking balcony. And here's the fucking thing. They're in a place where they're fucking, they are further back than outside the ring, they're like one tier up. And you see this motherfucker going, ref, 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 look over here. No! That's not how you do referee distraction. That's the dumbest shit ever. And then, like, literally, earlier in the match, MJF took a fucking bandaminator with a fucking chair to the face. And kick out a two, but one boink. And the kid fucking blocked it so horribly that you saw it. Like, if you're gonna take a chair shot, fucking duck and take it to the back. But literally, on hard cam, boom, blocks it. That's the pin. Like, after a thousand video game moves, he did a springboard fucking fucking two-rope Canadian destroyer. Fucking nothing. Like, it was just spot, 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 spot. And I said it to you 
and I posted it. I think I posted it on Twitter too. Just looking at him, Sammy Guevara. It literally looks like every first year student from every NYC wrestling school ever. And I've seen a lot of them. Like literally, it's just like, oh look, here's a little skinny, fat, maybe Hispanic kid with the flip hair who goes, I can bounce off ropes. Make me God doesn't work that way. And then it just ends perfectly by JR with the fuck up of the month going, there's nothing you haven't seen anything till you've been to a live WWE dynamite. Oh, oh, one last thing. One last fucking thing. So they did because it was because they're going out on tour again now because they had to beat Vince to the chase. So they're going to start touring as of next week. So they did a fucking package of, uh, you know, a thank you package of everything like a, because they've been at Daly's place since the pandemic started and, you know, showing, you know, only being able to have workers in masks in the crowd and shit. And like, I get how you want to say thank you. I, I, I kind of get that, you know, you know, now you're, you're getting back to normal, even though, you know, everyone's getting back to normal, whatever. That's no reason to make 75% of your fucking music video montage Brody Lee stuff. Like, we get it. He's gone. We all fucking miss him. Stop it. Stop with the fucking promo packages about him being dead. Stop with dragging out his fucking kid who fucking didn't do his homework. No one gives a fuck. Like, literally, they could have just done the montage of clips and just ended it with them standing on the stage with John Huber, blah, 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 to 2020, like, you know, with, with their heads down like that. And, like, end it. Yeah, that would have been fine. But literally, like, every other thing was a fucking Brody Lee spot. And it was bullshit. And then JR said WWE Dynamite, and I laughed my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you had a fun nine o'clock hour last night of TV. Oh my fucking god, dude. So like yeah, I give AEW a chance. Fuck them. Fuck everything about that shit. People I know that are there get your money now because they're gonna be gone. Can I uh can I now show off the banner that I created? While sure. you were going off on your monologue, because it goes into the point I want to bring up. Okay. Yes. Um, and it, it, the reason this is all funny to me, and if you're watching the YouTube version of this show, you, you'll see the emotion being pouring out of the nose, ears, and mouth of JJ during that <laughs> monologue. <laughs> and you'll see me just quietly um, having, you know, gaining hilarity from the, the monologue. <laughs> but this is uh, uh, the statement I just put on the screen on the YouTube version is a perfect explanation, is a perfect summation, I should say, of how far I've come. Because. I went out of my way before this podcast was even 
a twinkle in my eye. <laughs> um, before this podcast even became an idea, I would go out of my way to make sure I was DVRing Raw, NXT, SmackDown, and Dynamite, and trying like hell to watch all four shows over the course of a week. Now, after the first couple weeks of this podcast, and this is show number seven, week number eight, after the first couple weeks of really logically breaking down things and and having this show and being able to really dissect it for what it's worth, I came to the conclusion, and obviously JJ did too, he just hasn't said it yet, <laughs> um, that AEW is essentially a glorified trash bag indie that happens to have a TV contract. Now, the first reason I had was just perfectly surmised by JJ's uh, Dynamite in Review from June 30th, 2021, <laughs> um, that you just heard, and that's the lack of psychology. And we've gone over it a million times, so I need to get into it more. But here, here's the other thing that I name it that. When you think about um, the complaints that used to happen back in the territory days, um, and even as WWE was growing into WWE slowly but surely through the 80s into the early 90s, a big complaint you would hear from fans even workers alike was who the belt was on. But here's what you need to understand, and JJ is going to perfectly um, is probably going to chime in about this because, as somebody who's worked longer in the indie scene is than me, and has and runs a promotion, he'll understand what I'm saying here. Okay, when you establish a promotion, and it happens to this day on the indies, and it really is, and I it is really a concept that was brought upon by the territorial organizations that ran through the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and until the territories essentially died in the 90s. When you went to a territory or you looked at a territory, let's just use, let's use AWA, for example, out of the Midwest, okay? Yeah. There's a reason why the champion in AWA was typically, more likely than not, Vern Gagne or Nick Bockwinkle. And the general concept is this. When you were running a territory like Vern was, or like Fritz Von Erich was in Texas, or Bill Watts was in the southeast portion of the U.S., typically you wanted to put the belt on either A, the guy running the company, or B, the guy that, a guy that, for lack of a better phrase, was in bed with ownership. Because... Yeah. You, because that owner knows the small list of people outside of themselves that won't fuck them in the end. Right. That's essentially what was set up. That's why Vern had the belt so many times in AWA. That's why Bockwinkle had the belt so many times. Fuck, that's why Rick Martell was an AWA champion at one point. Larry Zabisco. Okay? Larry Zabisco was an AWA champion. Um, they, you know that. That's why Fritz pushed his son so much because he knew he wouldn't get stabbed in the back by them. 
and it goes on and on. Shit, if you go back to Vince Senior's days, that's why he were, he was trustworthy of, of Bruno. That's why he trusted Backlund. That's why he trusted Superstar. Because he knew they would represent his company first before any, before putting their business first. And that he wouldn't get fucked by them. It's essentially what AEW is doing now. Like, you look at WWE these days, you know... They know they can put the belt on anyone because they have these guys on contracts and they can't get fucked, okay? AEW, meanwhile, who has the belt been on? It's been on Jericho, Moxley, and um, fucking... Twinkle Toes and Finger Bang. (laughs) um, Omega, okay? Jericho helped establish the company. Moxley was saying fuck you to WWE when he came over, so obviously they're going to push him. And then Omega is one of the EVPs. That's why AEW is essentially a glorified trash bag indie because they're following the same formula that's existed for 80 years in professional wrestling and they just happen to have a TV contract. That's that. I forgot to add Kenny Omega trying to look like 2005 Triple H now, which if fucking seriously, it's just another fucking jab at WWE that doesn't need to be done. And by the way, facial hair looks awful on Nick Jackson. Nick just shaved the shit. I saw the clip of him from AEW Dark this week. I don't know why. I, I just happened to be scrolling through Twitter this morning, and there was there was a gif of him, and like, like, dude, just shave your fucking face. Facial hair looks awful. Right. Shave that shit. Oh, and dude, the what was it last week or whatever the the off air promo that uh, Eddie Kingston cut about WWE. Yeah, like, everybody got their pennies in a bunch. Fuck off, dude. Dude, I love Eddie. Like, worked with Eddie a lot. Eddie's a great fucking dude. I have nothing but respect for him. But even Bully Ray on Busted Open said, like, know your role and don't step into that pool because that's not your territory. And, like, it's true because Eddie got offered a job to work in NXT for more money than what AEW is paying him. And he decided he didn't want to go. Like, that was his choice. Because apparently he wanted to be happy. I mean, and Eddie is Eddie's a love of the game type of guy. And I get that. But don't knock a company that you haven't worked for directly. Like you did a lot helping because like a lot of guys that were like not NXT ready, they would they would give to Gabe and Evolve. And it was usually Eddie that had to groom them. You know, Eddie was trying to get fucking Baba Z's fucking whatever his name is this week to get be a better worker forever. Like he was stuck in a program with him for like a year, mm-hmm. but like you know, I don't know. Like I, because I honestly thought Eddie should have taken a job. Like because Eddie, Eddie doesn't have a lot of years left in the biz, and he knows that. But he would be such a fucking asset to be a coach in NXT. Like, and that's why it, it pains me to see him like knocking WWE like that because it's like, dude, like. Like, you're a good dude. You don't need to do this. All right. I, I get what you're saying. I'm going to go a couple of things here. Number one. Um, it's a post-show promo. So to me, and I, I could be totally out of line with this, but like, I know, I know that post-show promos have come out um, from time to time, and I, I understand that. 
But in a way, here's the thing. There's it's it's twofold. Number one, a lot of the post-show promos that have become famous over time are ones that didn't come out for years after the fact. Yes. Because post-show promos in in the logical world of wrestling are supposed to be just for the crowd to take in. Right. So to me, it's it's fucking stupid that it never got put out there. Okay? Yeah. Because AEW, like, I know that they have this whole anti-WWE venomous that exists in their locker room just based on who they've hired and who's running things. Right. But they should have known better because they, they should have been forward-thinking enough to know, hmm, this might cause a little bit of heat we might not be ready for. We probably should have put this one out there. On the other hand, because the concept is it is a post-show promo, the only person that really got bent out of shape about this in the public eye was Bully Ray. Yeah. Like, cause, because here's the thing. WWE has even openly said, whether it be joking or not, they've openly said at times that they consider AEW small peanuts. Right. Okay. So if that's the case, why bother even commenting if you're Bully Ray? Like, why get your pays of a bunch if you still have this quote unquote relationship with WWE if AEW isn't even in their fucking focus? Like, just be the, to me, I, I understand he's he's on the radio and he has to have a personality and whatever, okay? But that doesn't mean he has to fall in the trap of Dave LaGreca where he just pisses him off any little thing that happens. Okay. So to me, Bully just has to be a, a bigger man, for lack of a better phrase, and just ignore it and say, fuck it, like, whatever. Let them say what they want to say. They're still, they're still peanuts compared to what WWE is, so fuck them, whatever. Yeah. That's just my theory. All right, so what I want to do is get into um, a couple other things before we kind of, in summation, discuss what happened over the course of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in the last week and a half of TV with WWE. Um, and I can officially take off this banner now, although I kind of want to keep up the whole show on the video, right? but whatever. Um but no, next- this just in, Kenise Mobley is hashtag all elite. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, um, so here's... It, uh, I don't know how long this is going to be a topic. I, I hope it's going to be quick. But I just want to put this out Kenise there. Mobley's career in WWE. <sighs> Boy. Um... Okay, um, and this is something that it, it's a continuous thought that we bring up time to time on this show, and that is how wrestling has been partially ruined by something very specific, and you're going to completely agree with me on this. Social media just needs to go fuck off in a whole big way. Uh-huh. And I specifically, I specifically want to bring up one social media outlet because I watch it I look through my feed on it about probably twice a day because I don't just use it for wrestling. I watch other shit on there. But the occasional time where I do come across a um, a wrestling content person, 
on TikTok, it makes me want to fucking put my head through a wall. Let me give you a couple examples. Number one, you have this dude, Heal Josh, who has like piercings in his face and his ears, and he usually live streams when there's a, a TV show on or a pay-per-view on. He does live reactions. Number one, Heal Josh, your voice sounds like a, 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 a seven-year-old whose balls haven't dropped yet. So because you're, you're in your 30s and you're doing this and your voice sounds like that, you should probably fuck off, number one. Number two, the fact that you are such an over-the-top mark for AEW makes you want to puke on demand. That's number two. Number three, if I hear your voice squeak anymore for a Cody Rhodes entrance, I'm going to want to piss in your mouth and make you swallow it, okay? And number four, if I hear you go nuts over... MJ fucking F, I'm going to give you a swirly in a toilet that's publicly used, you <laughs> motherfucker. That's what I got to say about Heel Josh. Then I get to this guy named Infamous Opinionist, whatever the fuck, uh, Infamous Small Penis, I don't know what the fuck his name is, but it sounds kind of like that, all right? This guy, he does lists, he gives reactions to shows and all this shit, like he's fucking Ryan Satin Jr., this guy who's short and fat like me just happens to be able to grow facial hair better than me. He needs to fuck off. Number one, if you keep sucking the dick of Dolph Ziggler any more than you continue to do, I'm going to personally have Omos show up at your door and jack his load into your mouth and see how you like it. That's number one. Number two, if I see this motherfucker try to call the Honky Tonk Man the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time because he happened to have one reign that lasted a year plus because no one else won the fucking bet. I'm going to toss you into a fucking river. And number three, if this jerk <laughs> keeps trying to tell me that Bobby Lashley doesn't suck dick, I'm going to personally have Drew McIntyre show up and put his sword up your ass repeatedly until you start bleeding from the anal cavity. I mean, I thought Twitter... Was, was ridiculous. These motherfuckers on TikTok, they make me want to go check my sanity by going to the Capital District Psychiatric Center 40 minutes away from me in Albany and put a white jacket on and throw me in a padded room. These motherfuckers drive me nuts. They're lucky I don't have the time nor the inclination to waste on commenting on these motherfuckers or making videos on TikTok that I only use it for my own entertainment because if I did have the time and day to bother wasting on these motherfuckers, they wouldn't have accounts anymore and they'd be crying in their mind Mommy's basements for all eternity. <sighs> this is why I don't have TikTok. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got that out of my system. That actually worked really well. <sighs> I ain't got no TikTok. I ain't got no Twitch. I ain't got no Snapchat. I ain't got no Fuzzy Wub. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I couldn't help myself because I've been seeing this shit on and off for months. And honestly, I'm honest, the only reason I ever even put it on my phone is because I got supremely bored at one point during the pandemic and was like, fuck it, I keep hearing about this app, let me check it out. That's really the only reason ever it existed on my phone. And I'm now this close to deleting it forever because of these dumb motherfuckers who don't know two 
fucking ounces worth of real wrestling opinion or information that's worth anybody's real fucking time. They're just putting shit out there to make people, oh my God, look what this guy said. Oh my God, look what that guy said. Suck a dick and suck it hard, all right? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about what culture. I feel like all these wrestling influencers who just say shit or do shit to get a rise out of people, they should all have Mandingo and Jason X knock on their doors and DP the <laughs> shit out of them until they tap out. <laughs> if you don't know who Mandingo and Jason X are, go Google them and you'll understand what I mean. If you don't know what a DP is, then you live a very sorry sheltered life. I have to say, I ran an adult video store for seven, almost seven years. I do not know Jason X. I, I know think Lexington it was actually, I, think it was, I think it was Jason Love, actually. Ah, still doesn't ring a bell. Well, either way, Lexington Steel. Yeah, Diego does. Lexington, Lexington Steel. Like, Lexington, yeah. <laughs> Lexington, you can sub in for for uh, Jason. Or if you're really old school, fuck, get Peter North in there, too, while we're at it. I don't give a Jake fuck who Steed. you uh, Fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Ron. Uh, Ron Jeremy. Jeremy. No, not him. Not anymore. Whoever. Not anymore. No. He well, got not me anymore, too. You fucking know what I mean, all right? Just whatever. Whatever. Whoever has a big, thick dick that can just make it <laughs> feel uncomfortable for these wrestling influencers, go and shove it right into them until they're bleeding eternally from the anal cavity. Okay. I can call it Wood. He can find some for us. I don't. I don't care if it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's Wrestle Talk. I don't care if it's Cultaholic. I don't care if it's uh, fucking Dave Meltzer. I don't care if it's the TikTokers, the Twitters that live, the tweeters who live in their mommy's basements. Any, I don't care. Any of them. Any of them. The only ones I'm, I'm going to tell them not to touch. Do not touch Ryan Satin. Do not touch Sean Sapp. Do not touch Brian Johnson. All the others. Hell, even Rosenberg and uh, fucking Sam Roberts. Fuck them. Fuck them hard. And don't touch Mike Johnson and Dave Shear. They that's are they are, they are that's, that's our hot list. That's our hot list. That's five <laughs> names. That's our hot list of who not to touch. Everyone else, and Bingo, Lexington, Peter, fuck them long, fuck them hard. I call them incredibly bleeding from the anal cavity, and they have fucking the plague brought upon them for the rest of time. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Hey, you had your rants about AEW. I got to have my it's rant true. about social media influencers. Suck a dick. It's true. Yeah. Suck a big long one. That's what I got to say. All right. Whew. Got that <laughs> out of my system. All right. Now, um, this is something I know you wanted to touch on. I honestly can't remember if this was related to. I can't remember if this was related to the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view or if it was related to the Raw the night after. But I know that the topic was brought up between us personally between foreshadowing and outright predictability. Mm. Um, I want to say that had to do with the Raw the night after Hell in a Cell, but you can, yeah. you, you can, you can, you can go ahead and just remind me of how that got brought up and, and your thoughts about it. I'm trying to remember. I have to jog my memory. I have the match-by-match match layout here from both shows. I'm going to try to... Because Hell in a Cell was 
Bianca Bailey, Rollins Cesaro, Bliss Baszler, Zane Owens, Rhea, Charlotte, Drew Lashley. And then Raw was Styles Ricochet, Oscar Naomi versus Eva and Piper, Orton Morrison, Bliss and Cross against Jackson Baszler, Riddy, Riddle McIntyre, and Woods and Lash. Was it Woods and Lashley, maybe you were thinking of? Maybe. Um I'm trying to see, I'm scrolling back here in our conversations because I think I said something. Or it could have even been NXT that following night. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to jog my memory because I remember us discussing it briefly. And then... Um, let me see. Oh, uh, no. Well, okay. Okay. Here, here's the conversation about Raw. Foreshadowing versus outright predictability. That was... Yeah, I actually said that. Topic this week. Foreshadowing versus outright predictability. So, you sent me that... Was I think it was, a, was the night of Raw or the night of Hell in a Cell? I think it was it the was, night of Raw. It was... Yeah, the it 21st. was... Yeah, the 21st was the night yeah. of Raw, the night after Hell in a Cell. And you sent it yeah. to me around the time of the show when it would have been. If I had to guess, it was probably. It was an Riddle hour. Riddle McIntyre was a Bliss and Cross against Jackson Baszler. I don't. It would have been around that time. To, that time marker. Yo. Uh, oh fuck no! Shit, I'm trying to remember what the fuck it was. Because it was something. Fuck. Well, either either way, the general... Here's the general thing I think you, you kind of want to get to. Um, there was a phrase, and I know that Tommy End used it when he was talking about the Aleister Black character after he was released, and he talked about it on Twitch. Because he used to do something with the lighting for his... His vignettes, yeah, and, and how it was foreshadowing. Golden eggs, yep. isn't that what it's called? Okay, so Easter eggs, yeah. So you're like some people get it, some don't. Let's just put it that way, because they're that hidden and random that not everybody's going to get it, and that is that's good foreshadowing because it's yeah. something. Sneaky suspicious that not everybody's going to see coming. That's foreshadowing. That's the kind of stuff right. that I like to think that just about everybody likes. Yeah, stuff that you might see coming, but you didn't really see coming. Right. So it kind of it, you know, or just is completely surprising. Outright right. predictability is how should I put this? Outright predictability is basically something that happens. It's the wrestling equivalent of it's a mental jobber match, basically. Yeah. It's basically the mental equivalent of oh, what was it from the other night? Please hold. Um, the mental equivalent of Roderick Strong as Asher Hale. You knew going in who the fuck was going to win. It was just a matter of how. Yeah. Like same same concept essentially. Whereas, right. um. Foreshadowing, okay, 
to me, like I didn't like I'll be I'll be honest. We'll get into this a little bit more in a second. I wasn't hundred percent certain that Swerve was gonna win the North American title the other night. Now, granted, if you think long and hard about it, they've been building up hit row, so you could have seen it coming. But as far as taking the belt off Bronson that quick after winning the belt, you have those two ideas collide. So it made it a little more doubtful than it probably should have been for people to think. Um, but like I'm that's- just happy my prediction is going to come true. I said, mark my words, by the end of the calendar year, Swerve and Carmelo Hayes will be feuding for the North American title. Which nobody's going to complain about. Exactly. And if you do, like, for example, one of those social media influencers. Um, I don't even want to talk to you then. I don't, even, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to know you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to think about you. Um, but like, like, but it's, I think it was more specific, though, the idea you were, you were really hitting on was, I think it was more specific to match psychology, really. Yeah. Um, so, I'll give you, I'll give an example, actually, because I just uh, saw this, okay? So, for whatever ungodly reason, um, in my spare time, because I have so much of it, um, <laughs> I've been binging on SummerSlam on Peacock. And there was one match in particular. I want to say it was... Oh, it was SummerSlam 89 when Hogan and Beefcake... We're taking on Savage and Zeus. Uh, yeah. You had Sherry in one corner, Wiz in Hogan's corner. So the foreshadowing is this. Sherry, okay, let's just be blunt. If you go through Sherry's career, 95% of the time, that bitch is carrying nothing Except for when she managed Shawn Michaels, because then she would carry the mirror. But aside from that, 95% of the career, that bitch is carrying nothing. Right. Okay. Because if you're going to use a weapon, she takes off her shoe. Right. The 5% of matches where you saw her come into the ring with typically a purse, that, like, if you weren't smart enough to know, that would have been foreshadowing for you that. Oh, this bitch is going to use a loaded purse, or somebody's going to use a loaded purse at right. some point in this match. Okay, right. To the common fan, they wouldn't fucking think that. Right. But the people who have a deeper understanding and knowledge of the characters, they would have saw that coming. Okay. So, and then of course, in the course of the match, you might see the manager kind of filling around with it. They're not doing anything to make you think they're going to use it, but they might. Like Bobby Heenan at one point in certain matches would put his hand in his pocket. He wouldn't necessarily be doing anything, but you know full right. well he's got something in that fucking pocket. All right? right. Again, foreshadowing. Now, outright predictability is when you're going through a match and you just know how it's going to finish. Like you yep. know for a fact how it's going to finish, whether it be a roll up, a double count out, whatever. Like you just know with your entire being how a match is going to end and then fucking ends like that. Right. You're like, what the fuck? That was that was the stupidest finish ever. Like the two weeks in a row with fucking Eva Marie and fucking Piper Niven. Yes, yes, 
Yes. Uh, Piper fucking sh- Piper motherfucker until the next week you knew Eva Marie was going to do the same exact fucking thing. Or another example, what was it? Three times in a week they let they had Xavier using the fucking trombone to cause a, a win for Kofi. They had they had do him doing the trombone and they had Boogs oh, doing Boogs the guitar on SmackDown. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, granted, you could also call it just lazy creative, but the same token, you saw you you you, you had to be dumb to not see the common denominator going on at that, at that during that boring week of creative. So, right. okay, um, so it's just like I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a level of talent that goes into being able to foreshadow without becoming outright obvious. I guess is what it really comes down to. Yeah. It's, I think the issue is there is a mentality and it's, it still holds true because like you said, with social media influencers and everything where wrestling fans think they're smarter than the people creating the product. Whereas on the promoter side, right. On the promoter side, the promoter knows that wrestling fans are not that bright. I will not say they're stupid, but they're not that bright. They're they're gullible enough because that the whole thing, we're carnies. We're working the fucking marks. That's all it's ever been. That's all it ever will be, whether people want to like that fucking connotation or not. That's why there was a character named Kazarni at one point. Oh my god. Uh, but anyway. Sorry, I had to. Go ahead. But anyways, with these fucking comedy writers that Vince is hiring who don't know shit about wrestling because Mobley wasn't the first and she certainly won't be the last. This goes all the way back to fucking Brian Gewertz where they're, they get the, they hear from Vince or they hear from Michael Hayes or one of the like veterans there, wrestling fans are dumb. They're trying to dumb it down too much. Where they're basically spoon feeding it. Okay. I think I might have figured out the match, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. Was the fact that Asuka and Nikki Cross were facing Eva Marie and Piper in even Piper's second week on TV in a Money in the Bank qualifier? Was that probably it? That could have been it. Because there's no way they were gonna there's no way they were gonna put Eva Marie in that fucking ladder match because they right. can't win. Right. That 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 might have been and I think you might have even called the uh the Eva not getting in spot. That might have been it too. Cause I, yeah. cause that's what it was, right? Eva wouldn't get in and then Piper took the fall. Oh no, no, Piper Piper had it set up for Eva to win and then she got rolled up. That's what it was. Because Eva's fucking useless. Um yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Um, all right. So, quickly, I want to try to make this quickly because we still have to do like a brief overview of WWE TV for the week. And uh-huh. then we have to get into our, our hot list, which, by the way, um, if you have a chance over the next minute while I go through this list, you know, pipe in your five things to me, please, for the list. Yes. Um, that being said, uh, I just want to quickly go over the releases that happened. This was late oh, yeah. last week, I want to say. I want to say it was... Yeah. yeah it was, right. It was last Wednesday because 
literally everyone else was on TV Tuesday night, and then the next day, oh, sorry guys, you're out. Uh, that that's a nice way to send them packing. But anyways, um, so the releases we saw from WWE were uh, Tyler Breeze, Fandango, Davari, Tony Nese, Ever Rise, both members of Ever Rise, um, August Gray, Killian Dane, the Singh brothers, Marina Shafir, Arturo Ruas, Kurt Stallion, and we're not even gonna get into it. Let's just say dumb WWE writer. We're just gonna call her that and leave it there. If you yeah. want to know the whole story about this WWE writer that got released, you can go and find it on any wrestling news source. We're not going to get into it because, quite frankly, it was the dumbest fucking thing she could have ever done. And that's that. Um, if you're a fan of him or not, let's find the snippet on YouTube of Cornette talking about it because he hits every nail on the head that needs to be said about it. Exactly. Um, so, really, when you look at those releases... Um, The only, I mean, Tony Nese, I think it's a blessing in disguise, to be frank, because they weren't really doing much with him, and I think Tony would be of better productivity, either A, backstage with them, or B, just work in the indie circuit again. And Let him work in, I, think, I think Tony would, I think Tony would do okay now in MLW. Agreed. I think he. I think you could have some fun there. Um, I think especially Buddy, if like Lawler sticks around there, that'll be that'll be good to see. Yeah, uh, Buddy Murphy when he got released a little while back, I think he should go to fucking Japan and fucking just work some work a lot of cemento, like that would do good for him. Um, Breeze and Fandango kind of made me sad because they were company men. They you know I, were like. Both of them pretty much spent 98% of their careers with WWE. They've been there for, you know, Johnny Curtis has been there 14 years. Like you said, um, they took that step where there wasn't anything from on the main roster. So they said, let us go down to NXT and help the younger guys. Like they were willing to work wherever possible. And it just kind of sucks, on, you know, that they didn't get it. Ever as I had no use for. Um, August Gray, I had no use for. I know he's local and everything. I've never really been cordial with Anthony, so eh. you know, kids young, and you know, he was there for a cup of coffee. Marina Shafir, thank God, there's money well spent getting rid of her because she was terrible. I agree with Breeze and Fandango. The only other one that really halfway shocked me was Killian Dane just because of him and Drake. Yeah. I, thought, I thought him and Drake were I thought him and Drake were useful. Um, yes. Yes. I guess I just I don't know. That just kind of caught me off guard. So Yeah. Um, Tino Sabatelli, like they let him go and then let it like, they let him go like a year ago and then brought him back three months later. Like he did a fucking AEW YouTube match, and they get I'm like, dude, like, uh, like the last time I remember seeing him on TV was like, he was tagging with either Fabian Eichner or Riddick Moss against the Street Profits when the Street Profits first came out. That's how long ago it was. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, otherwise, I think. Uh... 
I think everything else made sense to be quite frank. Um, yeah, that's 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 where I'm at with that. So there's not really yeah. a whole lot to really put into that at that point. Um, what else here? Okay. Oh, so I have an official announcement. And I'm not gonna put a banner up for this because I just want I just want people to hear it and fuck them. Okay. I am adopting a new abbreviation on this show that I might even trademark. Okay. Oh, yes, I remember this. Because, um, granted, it might be an abbreviation for a uh, a psychedelic drug, but fuck it, I'm gonna <laughs> trademark it anyways. Okay. From now on, there will be the abbreviation LSD born on this program. Okay. And it's a phrase that, uh. JJ is used from time to time about this person, but I've decided to hop on the bandwagon because I have fully embraced this campaign initiated by JJ, and we are officially launching a new abbreviation of LSD on this program. And LSD, <laughs> for those of you who don't understand the abbreviation, it's referring to the uh, the the raw uh, one of the raw champions, and it simply can be summarized as Lashley sucks dick. Okay. So LSD is an official abbreviation on this program. If you don't like it, you can join Lashley in sucking the dick. That's where I'm at. Um, and mind you, mind you, as I've said before, like Lashley is a nice person, but he's a terrible worker. Like, yeah, you've got a great physique and you're a nice guy, but you can't work and you can't cut a fucking promo. And it's been fucking over a decade, you haven't gotten better. Any other questions about that? Nope. Okay, go. Moving on. Um, Daniel Wood's going to get up with a $10,000 fine because of LSD. Because he doesn't want to take a chair shot properly. That's why. Exactly. Um, so, I just want a quick reaction to this. So Vince McMahon is visiting the PC today, as we are recording <laughs> this on Thursday, what July first. What the fuck is Samoa Joe doing down here? <laughs> Paul, when the fuck did you bring him back? Um, he's apparently evaluating talent down there, as if there weren't enough cuts from the NXT roster. Um, which is funny because. <sighs> They're holding tryouts SummerSlam week at, in Las Vegas. Um, and what's even funnier, do you know who did the promo video for WWE? At least the one I saw about the tryouts. No. Because this person is really the picture of who you want to put out there as, do you want to be a WWE superstar? Ooh. Andy fucking Rose. Oh, Jesus fuck. The poster child for the WWE tryout in Vegas at SummerSlam week is Mandy Rose. You couldn't you have see, picked The Miz. You couldn't have picked Shit Morrison. Right. Anybody with a personality and some halfway decent success in the ring. No, you picked the former uh, bikini bodybuilding champion who hasn't done jack shit for a wrestling career that happened to get him through tough enough. Yeah, I summarized her career pretty much. Well, that's why, because she was from Tough Enough. But I mean, they have other people who went through Tough Enough. Like, 
See, okay, okay. So having the tryout SummerSlam weekend, that's fine. I can see that because obviously it's easier to make them come to you than to have Regal and exactly. Trips have to fucking go out, especially because a lot of Andy's still aren't, you know, aren't running because of COVID. So that's fine, especially because if you sign guys to NXT, you sign them at the minimum base salary in WWE, which is around like 80 grand. So that's easier to sign them instead of, you know, plucking for wherever. Right. But as far as Vince going to the performance center, like this could all be solved if Vince would just watch his Wednesday night program. Thank like you. he doesn't have to be there. You just have to watch it. And I mean, okay, so, and I get, I, but I like on top of that, I also do get Vince's mindset because like of how he gave Cross and Reed and Scarlet and Shotzi dark matches on main, for main, you know, taping for main event because he wants to see them there. There's a couple reasons for that. One is that the main roster ring is two feet bigger than the NXT ring. Two, because the NXT crowd, other than takeovers, has always been a very skewed crowd. Full sale, it's the same 500 people who they dictate who's over and who's not. And sometimes it, yeah, and that's a very double-edged sword. With the Capital Wrestling Center, the people there, it, the people there in attendance are mostly workers, friends, and family. And they're skewed. Because obviously it's like it's like when an indie worker you book comes to your show, is on your show, and they say, I've got ten family members coming. Well, you're a heel. It doesn't help that when you come out, your entire family is sitting there cheering for you and waving a giant flag. Like so it's a skewed so it's a skewed viewpoint. So obviously I can see why Vince would want to see them in a dark match. However, Thunderdome doesn't fucking matter because it's not live people. Like he could have waited. But on top of it, like like I said, just watch the thing. But at least I think that this might be a good point of him being at the Performance Center because he will see certain people and go, why the fuck is this person still on the fucking payroll? Like, I think we can finally get rid of Robert Stone and Aaliyah. That's what I'm hoping. Or at least Robert Stone and put... Aliyah and Jesse Kamea with Frankie Monet, which is what's being teased. Aliyah is fucking terrible. She is never. She is. I agree, but as far as who she could develop under better, she could develop ten times better under under Frankie than she ever has under Rob. She wasn't developing when Dusty was still alive, and she was there. You get my point, though. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I get your point. I I, 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 I see what you're saying. (laughs) But I mean, because it's it's obvious, like, you know, Vince wants to start shaking things up. And like the thing is, and I think Vince wants to see things with his own eyes because of, I'll just say it, because of the Keith Lee debacle. Because Vince didn't watch his shit in NXT, just knew that he was super over. The trips put all his eggs in that basket and then was like, oh, you put both your fucking belts on this kid? He must be good. Yeah, make him fucking drop both of them in the next two weeks. I want him on my fucking program. And then comes up and doesn't know what the fuck to do with them. And goes, why the fuck are you dressed like that? No, you're going to dress like this. And just 
it's just a series of fucking failures because Vince didn't pay attention to the character they were before. Same thing with like when the, the Viking Raiders almost got fucked in the ass the moment they came up to the main roster. Like, luckily, that was salvageable. But I don't know. It's just, I, is it too, too much to ask for Vince to watch his other products? I don't know. Apparently. Apparently. I'm just. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know what to. Like, I, I just don't know what good you get by going to the PC just because I don't know if you're really going to get anything out of it to be quite frank. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like it, it's good to see your, your younger talent there, especially like maybe guys that aren't getting TV time and just to see what they're doing and seeing how they're doing the fundamentals, watch promo class, see who might sign there and stuff like that's good for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, because I mean, it's obvious that there are developmental talents that don't get TV time. Like they were supposed to pull the trigger on that second NXT show, and they never did it. They were supposed to do NXT Evolve, and they it just they they fucking they they backburnered it again. Like that's why. Like I was hoping Diamond Mine was going to be the new show. No, instead we get a shitty fucking Roderick Strong stable. Uh, yeah, speaking of that, by the way, um, that stable, I, I, I don't, I don't fucking know anymore. Um, I like Tyler Rust and I like Stokely Hathaway managing Tyler Rust. I don't mm-hmm. think they belong with Roderick Strong because Roderick Strong is a second banana, always has been, always will be. And why just fucking Hideki Suzuki? Why? Like, he's there to be a coach. He's there to coach the Japanese guys that don't speak out of English. That's why he's fucking there. Who the fuck thought that? Like, that feel that feels so much like there was supposed to be a fourth man, and they didn't know who, and fucking man boobs Joe walked in and went, Japan! Him. Man boobs Joe. I fucking hate some Joe. <sighs> okay. Um, all right, so let's just get through good God almighty. Um, <laughs> all right, let me try to get through this. So Helena cell, let's just quickly say, at least in my mind, nothing shocked me. Did anything shock you? Nothing shocking. Just stuff that pissed me off. How the fuck do you want a Helena cell match on a fucking roll up? Right. Yeah, that that's a pretty <laughs> dumb. That's a pretty dumb finish. I'll, I can give you that one. Yes. Um, yeah. um. What's the other thing? Oh, so I almost lost my marbles because. Um, Were I'll you having one. network issues that night? No. Oh, because like a lot of people like were saying that like it fucking like Peacock fucked up and they couldn't fucking watch it. Get better internet jerk offs. Um, no, no, it was like a national thing. Like Peacock was just like 
the program has ended like one minute in and shit. Oh. No. Um so I almost tweaked because I'll admit I hadn't seen a hell in a cell match in a while. And I came to find this out. Um so the hell in a cell is wrapped in plastic now. Yeah, that that's that's how long it had been since I watched the Hell in a Cell. And oh, the acrylic. To- what do you call that? The acrylic paint on the cage. Yeah. Um. No. I still have the link. All right, here we go. So, if I see it correctly, where are you? And of course, it's not in this link. I fucked that up. But I'm correctly. So basically, they they added that on. Like I've never, uh, I'm not a fan of the the plastic covering on the cage. Um, what cracked me though is when I looked at the history of it, because it happened like three years ago, I think, 2017, 2018, somewhere in that. When area. they first started painting it red, yeah. It had the reason behind it had nothing to do with safety. It had nothing to do with it being a PG product. It's just because Vince said, "Fuck it." This doesn't look watchable. Let's paint it red. That's literally the story behind yeah. it. He yeah. just he literally just decided he wanted to change shit up for no fucking reason. Let's make it red, damn it. Vince likes colors. Don't you remember the big blue cage? Look, I don't mind colors. It's not the colors that, that bug me. I'm just wondering why the way they had executed it was covered in plastic instead of just painting the fucking thing red. Like, like, or <laughs> like, like, I, I just, I, I, I don't like you basically just, you basically just had, you basically got the cheap backyard fencing that I used to have in my grandma's house in the nineties and made an entire hell in a cell out of the cheap plastic link. That's essentially what they just did. Well, there's two reasons. One is because if you try to paint chain link, the paint's going to keep peeling and you're half going to keep reapplying and stuff. So from an aesthetic thing, it's what do you call it? Like to get that, to get the acrylic mesh that, that is as thick as chain link is just easier. Also, you need to look at pre and post Thunderdome. They need to transport it. It makes it far more lightweight and easy to transport. I actually learned a little bit about this listening to one of the old Cornette things where he talked about the big blue cages. Because, you know, everyone's like, bring back the big blue cage, blah, blah, blah. And but you're, you're, you obviously don't. But a lot of people like the old WWF big blue steel cages. Problem with those is they are in such... The, the, the segments are so huge, they need their own, they need their own special trailer. And the thing weighed like four fucking tons. Yep. Like... Like, because he was like, they tried to pawn one off on me for OVW, and I said, fuck no, keep that shit. So, that's why. So, you need to look at the fact of it's, you know, the you don't have to keep repainting it, and it's lightweight and easy for travel. Which is funny, because I have this right here. And there's less of a chance of guys getting fucking busted open on it. So, but here, 
Isn't the whole I know point it's not of ideal. <laughs> isn't the point though of like I know we're PG right now, but isn't the point of a Hell in a Cell match brutality? Yes. Like I'm not saying I want to see what I saw with the fucking match the fucking uh Bully and Tanger. No, um the, the, the pit no yes, thank you. Like, I don't want to see that, like, that's unnecessary. Like, the amount of bleeding that, like, all ten guys were doing between Inner Circle and um, Pinnacle, like, that's yeah. unnecessary. But, I mean, uh, another example, the amount of bleeding HPK did in the first Hell in a Cell, that's over yeah. the top. But, yeah. I mean, you, you get the point. Like, it, yeah. the match is centered around making your biggest rivalries blow off or at least have a big... Pinnacle moment, ah, 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 and it's supposed to have an edge to it. It's not supposed to be. It's also supposed to feel like just another cage match. They're supposed to have a special edge to it, and the fact that right. it has that that wrapping around it, you can hear less brutality, and obviously you can see less brutality. So just to me, you're completely taking the edge out of the hell in a cell, and you're just basically essentially making it. A cage where the guys can happen to get outside the ring and work the floor a little bit. That's really what they're yeah. doing at this point. Yeah, and to me, that just it, it, it doesn't work for the concept. Wait till the elimination chamber turns into them plastic cha plastic chains, which would be even more fucking stupid, especially <laughs> if they make the floor of the chamber that. Because I'm only kidding on that. If they do that, I trademark that shit. Right, right. Um. But like, that's the only match of brutality, and you get that. Uh, do they even have? I'm trying to remember. Do they even have chamber yet this year? They didn't even do yeah. a chamber this. No, they did back in. Oh, right. It was, it was the month before. That's right. It's February. It's always the one in between Rumble and Mania. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking whatever. Jesus. One of it's the two between Rumble and Mania. Sorry. Right. I forgot. I forgot that it's before Mania. I just, yeah. I don't know. I just, Hell in a Cell has lost its luster to me in the last yeah. five years. Well, not only that, but like, 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 you know, it's like it used to be a cage match was the end of a feud, and then cage matches got done to death, so that's why it is. And it used to be Hell in a Cell was the culmination of this, and then we literally got the two laziest builds to Hell in a Cell matches. Within a week of each other, like the late before this, the laziest build for Hell in a Cell was Shane versus Taker at Mania, because it was literally you want to be in the company, you have to fight Taker Hell in a Cell, and it's in a week, and it was just like, bro, really, you just needed to throw that on there. But this, we literally got fucking Rey Mysterio going, you hurt my son, I want you in Hell in a Cell for the title, and they were like, okay, and I was like. That was ass. But what was worse was, hi, I'm Xavier Woods. I don't like you, Bobby Lashley. Hell in a cell tonight. The fuck, bro? Um, now, granted, it's been almost 25 years, so I can't remember detail for detail the build for this. But I don't think Mankind and Taker at 98 King of the Ring got a whole lot of build either, did it? No, that did. It because got a lot of. Was, I don't remember that. 
Like, obviously, yeah, I remember no. the match. Like, who does remember the match? But I, I just because no, at because the time it was a lot of Taker King shit. Oh, mankind yes. had Paul Bearer then. Then they threw him into the. Okay, that's you right. got to remember. Hell in a Cell, Taker, Taker Foley, Hell in a Cell was at King of the Ring in like two thousand. That was like two years where the fucking build. Well, he, but here was the thing: like '98 when they had that match in Pittsburgh, that stands that well, not the quality of the match, but the two specific moments in that match where he gets thrown off and then thrown through. Those will stand yeah. the test of time. Right. But, um, but if I remember correctly, and you could totally say I'm off base on this, the real things being built at the at that time, you had going from Mania up through the next three months in the King of the Ring, you had Mick becoming corporate dude love and facing Steve. At the two next two pay-per-views for the title with Vince being involved. You were still doing a lot of cane taker stuff, and I think that's when they had their first inferno match was in that range. And then basically, once Vince was done doing the corporate shit with with Mick with Dude Love, he basically was like, Alright, you're in hell in a cell with Taker at King of the Ring. Um I just I, now, maybe there, there might have been stuff on Raw that I don't remember, but I just felt like the booking was like, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? Hey, let's fucking have you and Taker and Hell in a Cell. Like, I just, I just feel like th there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of... And again, I, I'm, I haven't gone back and tried watching the Raws that led up to King of the Ring that year, so I'm, I might be completely off base, but it just feels like they literally went from him being corporate dude love to fuck with... Because this is the time where he's being juggled between Jack, Mankind, and dude love, and nobody having a fucking clue to root for him or to boo him. So they basically were essentially like, alright, fuck, we're throwing you from corporate dude love back to Mankind, and oh, you're facing Taker and Hell in a Cell. So, that was at a time, number one, it was Attitude Era, so fucking... Nothing made it sense. It was Attitude Era, we'll just say that. But number two, that was when a lot of feuds were ones that they could intertwine and pause and go back between and stuff. And it worked with all of those main event players where you could do Taker and Kane for a couple of weeks and then do Taker and Mankind. You could put Austin in there. You could make Mankind. That, and they all worked well together. That was the thing. And it was, it was one of those where you could put 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag and the bag would hold it. Here's my question, though. Now, granted, yeah. this is kind of hypocritical for me to ask, considering he was coming off of back-to-back pay-per-view WWE title matches going into King of the Ring. At that point in time, though, you really think Vince looked at Mankind or Mick fully, whatever the fuck you want to call You would think he looked at Mick as a main event player at that point? Yes. Yes. Because to... I don't he know. had him in there. It just felt, it, he, it felt take, Taker went to bat for him, dude. Take, Taker went to bat for him, and that that's what made him in the eyes. Whether he held the title or not, Taker going to bat for him, Sean working well with him, fucking Steve working well with him. Vince knew that he had someone that he could keep in that fucking he could keep in that echelon. Okay. All right, I just I just wanted to throw it out there because I just I don't know I, I, I get my, my memory like I just remember that they had the two 
pay-per-view title matches, and then it went right into Hell in a Cell. So my memory of anything on Raw in that range is shot. So I'm just, I don't know. Um, all right. So Hell in a Cell, nothing surprising. Uh, Raw stuff that's been going on. Lashley and Kofi, that's booked for Money in the Bank in a couple weeks. Or, yeah, a couple weeks. Um, if it lasts for- longer than 12 seconds, it's a success. I don't think it's going to be that short of a match. Well, I didn't think it was going to be that short of a match between fucking Kofi and Brock either, but here we are. Brock politicking and Lashley politicking is oil and vinegar or oil and water. Like, Lashley politicking has about... Vinegar and water is douchey. God damn it. Um... (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move on. Um, um, oh, the money in the bank qualifiers. Um, they so were right almost now doing it right. So right now they have Morrison, Ricochet, Riddle, McIntyre, and Big E. Those Big are the five e. as of right now, as of this taping. Uh huh. Uh, is it? Am I wrong in thinking we already have our winner in the match and whoever else is in it, it doesn't fucking matter at this point? See, here's where it's questionable. And this, I actually was, I, I, I actually uh, uh, had, a, had a thought about this last night. I wrote it down so I could remember. Because I know who I think is going to win. I think it's already been booked at this point. I think I know who the winner is going to be. But I don't know if you, if, I'm not sure you're thinking who I'm thinking. Well, you see, like, it's it's kind of fucking sad that pe- like, it, like, people think that it's going to be like, here we go with Drew in the Lex Luger-Yokozuna storyline where he wants to challenge for the title, but he can't, but he technically can, and all that shit. And that's the fucking, and, that, and that's the issue that people are having because people are bitching. And, oh, God, just tiny little thing. People are bitching. I'm so sick of Drew. I'm so sick of Drew. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, after Drew dropped the title, he had two one-on-one matches for the title. Yeah, there was in a triple threat, but if you're talking straight singles matches to get that title back, he's only had two and technically lost both times because of outside fuckery. I say technically because the execution of the Mania one was terrible. Right. But they're still trying to rely on it. So putting keep putting him in this to keep him in the title picture, it's just like if it's just to do this, just just to keep him like as a ray of hope or whatever, until I, I firmly believe that he's gonna get traded off to SmackDown from the draft so he can feud with Roman. Because they're going to need someone that size. I also think Drew is in the Money in the Bank match because the formula for Money in the Bank matches is you always need one or two big guys to catch. That's what. Oh, you always need a couple of catchers. You've got Drew and Big E for that. But and here I found what. Uh, uh, what do you call? Because they the, the someone put up a someone uh, some site put up like a a montage picture a collage 
of all the people that have won the money in the bank matches, men and women. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, and I said, it's really sad when you look at it in a retrospect, because this was a gimmick designed to take a mid card guy or a wild card and give him instant credibility. It worked for guys like edge and punk and Miz, but cash ins on the world title made the kind of worthless because we all knew that was the fucking second banana title. Like everyone popped when Ziggler fucking won it and shit. And when Daniel Bryan won it, but it, the big gold is was a secondary title. It might as well be the Intercontinental title. And then it just became a vehicle for guys who were already in the main event picture so they could stay there, like Cena and Brock and Orton and Braun. I mean, Brock Brock winning fucking money in the bank. Don't even get me fucking started on how terrible that shit was. And it lost its luster. This year, they have a chance going back to the old formula. Like, because last year was a fucking joke both in execution and in who won like the cinematic match stupid having Otis win it even dumber because he was a fucking tag team guy like you can take a mid-card guy to elevate them but they have to be someone that is worth elevating uh-huh. Otis was never going to be that guy that, that, that Otis winning it was Vince going, I don't give a fuck because there's no fans there, so I can put it on whoever I want because there's no one there to cheer or boo. And right now, I'm in my phase where fat guys make me laugh because Vince gets in that phase once every few years. He gets in the fat guys make me laugh kick and starts pushing someone. And eventually, he woke up and snapped out of it and said, no, put it on this. So, two things I'm going to say to react to that. One, um, hot take here. Dolph never gets that kind of pop if it was in front of any crowd other than a night after WrestleMania crowd. Yes, I agree. That's number one. Uh, Because if you look at the crowds following that night, he never gets another pop like that in any other building after winning the belt and then dropping it to Del Rio. That's number one. Number, Number two. Number two, I get what you're saying about Drew. Not the guy I think is already booked to win. Really? But you did just mention his name. What did you you say? Biggie? And I think logically, you're, you're making... And what, what, what's funny is I think you're making a lot of sense with the angle you just presented. I think you see a trade swap of Drew to SmackDown and Big E reuniting with the New Day on Raw. Especially with the way they're working Kofi and they were working Kofi and Woods right now with Lashley. I think you see Lashley retain, but you also see... Biggie, like I think, I think you see Biggie and Lashley at SummerSlam. If if I'm projecting it correctly, you could see either Biggie Lashley at SummerSlam, or or you see Biggie win Money in the Bank, bring it to Raw, and just kind of be dangling it until the right opportunity against Lashley. That could work because they 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 almost did that back in the day when um like with the U.S. title when Cena was U.S. champion and. New Day were heels, and yep. they got behind like pushing Big E as their fucking figurehead. 
So that could work. And in all honesty, like it's it would be nice to see the New Day all reunited again. He has shown that he can hand, he can hang on his own, but it would be great if he had backup. Like exactly. they, they they they're all great in their own in their own way, but as you know, as a unit, as a unit they, they execute better than as individuals. They're lightning in a bottle. Yeah. So that's that's my theory. I'm sticking to it, and if Vince proves me wrong, then good on him because I clearly we missed see who else. We still got three more people to qualify, so who knows? I, I still, I still don't give a shit. I think it's already, I think it's already done. I think it's already a done deal. I could be totally off base, but I, especially considering that you already have four from Raw, and I just don't see, I don't see who else from Raw or SmackDown you could put in there that would. Because you're not because KO wouldn't go in and win it because that are his him and Roman already lost that luster months ago, um, right? But I mean, who else? Who else from the mid card on SmackDown could really get that kind of push where you could leave them in a Roman Reigns outfit, dude? So here's what you think. Remember, KO and Sammy have a qualifying match and it's last man standing, right? You put Sammy in there and have him be the conniving fucking weaseling guy that he is and then saying his whole thing with karma now that he's saying and karma's going to get you and blah, 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 blah. And fucking Sammy having fucking hired gun to fucking take out fucking, you know, it doesn't have to be Roman. Sammy could very well go to fucking like, remember, there's that old feud between Sammy and Lashley that they keep bringing up, even when they're both heels. And he could just be that conniving motherfucker. Like he was with the artist collective when he got the intercontinental title off of Braun. It's a possibility. I'm just saying Sammy has really, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. In the past year and a half, Sammy has really grown into a new persona. The heel, the heel shit works for him, and that could work. And just like Fidel Castro from the '60s has worked for him too. Um, Dressing like Fidel Castro, acting like Che Guevara. Fair enough. Um, so can we just? We're just going to jump the ship right here. Because there's no need to discuss Asuka and Naomi qualifying for Money in the Bank the way they did against Eva and Piper. Um, Fucking Carmella qualifies just by saying she's in. The fuck is that? Um, Touche. How quick is it going to be until the plug is pulled and Piper gets put on her own? Hopefully not, not soon enough. Like putting her with Eva Marie is just—it's—it's it's dragging her down. She can fucking do shit on her own. Like, and dude, fucking honestly, strange, crazy idea. Put her and Nikki Cross together, two fucking Scottish badasses. Have her be the Rosie to fucking Nikki's Hurricane. So Piper becomes the shit. 
For those of you who don't remember Hurricane I mean, Rose yes. back in the day, yes. go 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 look it up. You'll understand what I mean. I don't. I'm not really calling well, I mean, because now kid. Nikki is now Nikki is Nikki Ash. So almost a superhero. Oh goodness me! Yeah, um, I mean, right. Plus, but never. Uh, also, one quick little thing about Nikki Cross. I'm sick of fucking people saying, "Oh, she's going to be released next." This is a stupid gift. Blah blah blah. And people like, and it's like, oh, it was her idea. Oh, it doesn't matter for his idea it was stupid. Motherfuckers, that's how she dressed on the indies. Without the mask, but same fucking butterflies and lightning bolts and a cape was her on the indies. So this is nothing new. And here's, here's the other thing that they have to remember. Who are they gearing the show booking towards? What Children's. kind of fans? Thank you. Children's. You don't think that Nikki Cross... And a superhero gimmick is gonna sell like fucking hotcakes when they go back to live events, right? I mean, just just think think about it. Like, I'm not saying she's gonna fucking start selling merch like Stone Cold in the Attitude Era, but I mean, she, kids are drawn to shit like that. And yeah. what do kids have the access to? Mommy, I want this. Daddy, I want that. And if you don't think they're going to be attracted to Nikki Cross's character when she's, when they get back in front of fans in, in the next yeah. few weeks, you're out of your fucking mind. Uh-huh. So, so all of you who don't like the gimmick, you can join the uh, social media influencers I mentioned about an hour ago. <laughs> um, which is funny because Bliss and Cross qualifying over Jackson Baszler. Um, are we going towards... Just by the way things have been going with that whole dynamic, are we going towards Naya or Reginald possibly joining Alexa? Or is this just all a ton of mindfuckery that eventually just leads to Naya and Reginald and Shayna splitting and Alexa just continuing to mindfuck everyone? I think it's just going to lead to Naya, Naya and Shayna splitting and feuding again and Naya being the baby face in that situation. Um, yeah, because I see Alexa going off and doing other stuff, and like, I hope she's okay for the Money in the Bank match because I know like she's kind of injury prone, and that's kind of an injury center. Uh-huh. Uh let's see what else we got here. Do, do, do. I'm just trying to get through Raws quick. Um, I will say this: I did supremely enjoy the Kofi MVP segment from this past week. Um. It was all right. I thought it was going to end with Kofi getting blindsided by Lashley, so it was good that it was Kofi that laid out MVP instead. Agreed. Um, I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this. Um, I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this. Not like I usually do, but <laughs> this Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, Natalia Tamina thing. It's it's. Just, I'm telling you, they dropped the fucking ball on when they did the women's Dusty Classic in NXT and said that they get a fucking women's tag team title shot, and then they just motherfucked it, and they were like, oh, we just made NXT women's tag titles instead. They should have used that as an opportunity to transfer the women's tag titles to NXT like they did with the cruiserweight title. Mm-hmm. It would have been compete. They would have been competed better. You could always send a couple of the women's tag teams down to NXT 
every couple of weeks or whatever to do a fucking hot shot here or there or have the women's tag champions show up on the big four pay-per-views and it would have worked so much better. Instead, now you've got NXT with a tag women's division and Vince is going to start plucking women, either splitting up teams or plucking both so he can fill his lackluster women's tag division on the main roster. You know, for as much as people like to complain about the amount of belts on the main roster, do you realize there's seven titles on the NXT roster right now? Yeah. Well, is that counting UK? No. You have two tag titles. You have the North American title. You have the Cruiserweight Mm -hmm. title. You have the Mm -hmm. NXT heavyweight and women's titles. And then, Mm -hmm. this is me being technical, you have the million dollar title. title. Yeah. (laughs) You have seven fucking belts. On a brand that runs once a week and has a roster of. Which is why they need a second show. 30, 35, maybe? More than that. Well, I mean, regular TV time I'm talking about. Right, yeah. Just. Uh, this is why they need a second show. But AEW is going to have Rampage starting August 13th. Anyways. Oh, um, <laughs> Uh, what else? Anything else from Roy? Anything else from Roy? Anything else from Roy? Uh, oh, um, that was a short strap match this week. Oh Jesus! Do you care to comment, or you want me to just leave it at that? It's fucking, it's fucking Jackson Riker. This is gonna be fucking horrible from the fucking get go. Like, dude, fucking, would you? Uh, go away! Just go away! Go away! I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I. Oh, what's up, with the, what's up with Elias having like the fake Foo Fighters entrance music now? I don't know, dude. I don't know what to do for you. Um, I just right. like they had this dude cut a whole album. They don't know what they, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, real quick, SmackDown. Um, they keep. They're keeping out the Bel Air Bailey and Cesaro Rollins stuff. I don't know where the fuck that's going at this point. I'd assume it's uh, who knows. Um, I saw Edge should... coming back a mile away. Oh, as soon as they mention him in the promo, not even the promo, just like at the beginning where there's like blah 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 blah. Like you know, it's like obviously like Roman fucking like you know Roman was going to give an address on the championship. I'm like, here comes Edge. Like at the beginning of the fucking show. Like okay. I, was, I it amazed me how many people are like, oh my god, blah blah. I'm like, how the fuck did you not see that coming? Fair. Uh coordination Nakamura, Baron Corbin looks depressed, whatever. Um hmm. Biggie Biggie Paul finally recovered. So does this mean Liv Morgan, by the way, is in the money in the bank match? Because I No, she's not. Carmella. Carmella's still fucking in it. Even though Liv fucking beat her. Carmella's still in it. I got nothing. I have nothing too. Um, Jimmy and Dolph um, was what it was, I suppose. I mean, yeah. that's what you expect out of them, really. I mean, you don't yeah. expect complete shit out of them that they're going to put on a show. Um, right. But Jimmy winning was interesting, though. Yeah. Um, 
I just, what are they doing with the J not being there stuff? Like, that's the only point I'm not getting completely. Like, I don't fucking get it. Like, unless it, like, they, unless they, they build this to, like, a Jimmy's had him, like, locked in a basement somewhere, and that's why he hasn't showed up, because oh, Jimmy wanted his spot. Jesus Christ. Oh, please don't do that shit. Don't turn like, him into Jeffrey Dahmer or some shit. Come on. Um, like, I, I don't get where the fuck they're going with it. No, no, either. I, I just don't. Um, I think I'll, I'll tell you one thing with Corbin. I think this is the perfect time to repackage him and try something new. I think what they should do is because he did the promo where basically he just held his head and walked away, didn't say anything. I think this is a good time. Let him take a month or two off. Agreed. Don't be on TV. Don't be on TV. Fucking hit the gym, stay toned, yada yada. Think about different gear look, so you're not just in the fucking uh, in the fucking suit. Fucking get a the, fresh the coat of paint. Right, get a fresh coat of paint. Trade him to Raw. Unexpected baby face turn. Throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that, you know, because um, you know the King shit. He's been he's been working with that for what two years? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing wrong with putting a fresh coat of paint on him and going a different direction. I have zero, zero issues, zero complaints on that idea. I like that. Uh, NXT, quick. We're going to try to summarize two weeks into one. Holy shit, we're almost an hour and 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> Cole O'Reilly, they keep building that for Great American Bash. Good on NXT, booking Carmelo <laughs> Hayes again last week. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Another banger with Adam Cole. Obviously lost, but hey, TV time is TV time. Um, Ruthless aggression. <laughs> it's interesting. I thought they were building Gargano done at one point, and then all of a sudden they've swerved into Gargano versus Cross, it looks like. It um, feels like they're turning Cross babyface. It really does. I really hope. I actually, I, I, the way the crowd reacted last uh, the other night, I was thinking they're trying to make the way babyface. Not the way necessarily, no. but like... It, yeah. it, because I don't know, there seems to be a lot of support behind Gargano right now. I granted it's, doing it's the NXT shit. crowd. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's friends and family. But the way he keeps doing heel shit, Cross isn't. I don't. I. I I'm not totally sold on that because, like, you know, like Gargano, I, totally I get Gargano is a sarcastic heel. Um. You got to remember something. People weren't totally sold the first time they flipped Undertaker babyface. People didn't think that gimmick would work as a babyface. I think we're in the same boat with Cross right now. I mean, it could, but not against... I just don't think of... As far as in the the people around the title picture right now, who would he look good as a babyface against? Anyone. He could look at, he, what do you call it? Against the way you're looking at a four-on-one situation where you've got two, where you've got, he's got to have eyes in the back of his head because of Austin Theory, and he's also got to watch out because there's two chicks that could take out his woman. He could stay babyface against Pete Dunne. Dude, everyone, people just want to see that fucking match. 
he could stay babyface. He could be babyface against Adam Cole and be like Adam Cole being like, I'm still NXT and I still haven't gotten my one-on-one against you. And Cross be like, fucking bring it. Here's here's the inevitable problem. Yeah. In theory, I agree with all that. But we also have to keep in mind that these NXT crowds are a different animal compared to normal WWE crowds. And in my mind, in my mind, there's nobody that they would root for Karrion Cross to beat except maybe Pete Dunne. They've like, been they rooting for only Cross, one. That, that, they like his style. But I mean, guy for but guy, they, if, you don't think they're going to root for Adam Cole more than Karrion Cross? I can really tell you they're going to root for Gargano. You know, I can really tell they're going to root for Gargano more than Cross. They might like they might like Cross's style. I'll give him that. He's got a Smash Mouth style that not many people use anymore because he has that. Uh, you know, he's got the the judo and the the uh, MMA backgrounds yeah. or whatever. But yeah. I think character wise, I just feel like Gargano's going to get cheered more. Cole's going to get cheered more. Um, I mean, I just I. I I'm, stuck, I'm stuck at done being done. I think is definitely one, but I'm just I beyond that I'm I'm at a loss. I don't know, and I don't know if making them face is even the right move. Really, I don't know. But anyways, we we digress. Um, what else? Uh, Shirai and Io. Shirai is always stark. They're getting shot the tag titles at the bash. Um. That seems hot shot. Whatever. Yeah. Um, MSK against Champa and Thatcher for the tag titles coming up at GAB. Um, That's going to be a banger. That'll be a banger. In my head, I have it's a coin flip to me as to who walks out of there. Because I can totally see them yeah. making more out of Champa Thatcher, but I also feel like MSK is is the hot. Right. The, they're, they're the hot ones right now in the on the brand. Right. So it's like, do you take it off them? Do you not take it right. off them? Do you take it off them and then extend the program between the two? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions behind that still. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, O'Reilly. We recovered O'Reilly Cole. What else are we missing? We're not Boring. Missing. Cameron Grimes and fucking LA. Oh, LA where basically, Old if Grimes wins, he's Grimes wins, he gets the million dollar title. If he loses, he becomes Virgil, basically. He has to be his butler. That's old school world class. That was like when uh, fucking Dusty was fucking Tully Blanchard and Baby Doll. That uh, wasn't world class, though. That was Mid South. But you still, they, I think they did something world class with it as well. But um, I mean, that's just, it's just funny how like they're getting all like territory ish with the fucking shit with that. It's funny to me. Can we just have Carmelo Hayes win the breakout tournament and call it a day, honestly? Dude, the break no, because we already know who's gonna win the breakout tournament. If you say it's one of the two big guys they just brought in recently, the NCAA the, the NCAA wrestler Ludwig Bracca. Ludwig Bracca. Who? Parts of Ludro. The guy yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Ludwig Bracca. I was gonna say, please don't say him or Rick Steiner's son. I'm we're not ready for that yet. I no, uh, dude. It's dude. Parker Boudreaux is winning that shit. Vince wants to fucking put a strap on, strap a rocket to that kid because he played football and he looks like Brock. Fuck us. Um, 
hey, listen, the kid might surprise us. Did we mention Swerve winning the North American title at all? Yes, we did. And I mentioned Wait, uh, I, I, about, right? Yeah. Okay. And because um, and because I, I think Vince is about to bring up Ronson Reed. Oh, right, right, right. That's why we mentioned it. Okay. All right, because we were talking about that with Vince visiting the PC. That's right. Okay. Right, and Vince right. having the dark matches. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. All right. So finally, we get to the hot list. All right. Wow. <laughs> um. So the hot list, like I'm like we like every episode five. Uh, we have a category. We make our top five lists. See what we think. Um. I see your list. If I'm looking at this right. Uh, I didn't. Oh, how did I not fucking five that one? How yeah. did I not think of your number two? We'll get on that when we get to it. I don't know how I didn't fucking think of that one. Um, and funny, your number one was one I was thinking of. So, um, but anyways, um, so basically, we bring up a topic and we put out our own top five list about it, and that's that. Um, before we get into it, any honorable mentions you want to bring up before I reveal the category? I think I had one, but it it's escaping my memory right now. Okay. Well, the topic, while you're thinking about it, top five former gimmicks that were in WWE, or just in general in the wrestling, I guess. Just in general, yeah. That you'd like to see in the current WWE PG climate. Right. It doesn't have to be necessarily the person, just the gimmick. Because obviously, like, you know, like there's guys that there there's guys that might be dead or 80 that can't right. do it, but just the right. gimmick itself. Oh, by the, okay. So the person you have at number two, not the character. I'm gonna tease it. I have that person in my list as well, just not that character. Aha. Yeah. So I think I think you know where I'm gonna be going with it. Yeah. Um, I'll just say the one before that. Okay. I think you know what I mean by that now. Yes, I do. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and knock out the list. <sighs> Mr. JJ, what's your number five? So my number five gimmick that I think would be interesting in today's climate, uh, just because of the throwback notion of it and how similar gimmicks kind of got over, uh, would be Big Bully Busick. Uh, Sheamus actually kind of started dressing like him like right before the U.S. title win. Like, it just with the retro look and the, you know steampunk still being hot. Like I feel like that's a kind of a character gimmick that would get over with the fans nowadays. Okay, interesting. Um, number five on my list is now it's a five A and a five B because they both remind me of a specific video game. So that yeah. that's why I'm going to bring them up because they were very they they gave off a video game feel the way they dressed the way they moved. Um, I'm uh -huh. going with Gla Glacier and Mortis. Okay, I was thinking of them. Yeah, just because. Yeah, Glacier has a very yeah. Sub Zero feel to him. Mortis, not a specific character from Mortal Kombat, but I just feel like he kind of had right. a Mortal Kombat feel to him. Right, with just that's what we're based on. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm getting from Tion Shaw right now in NXT as well. Very. Like Raiden and yeah, you know, Mortal Kombat feels in general. So I just think that if you brought Glacier and Mortis into the 2021 version of WWE, especially NXT, where 
you can have a little more of a wide range of testing shit out. I think right. Glacier and Mortis would have been interesting characters to see how they developed in the modern day climate. And don't forget Wrath. Wrath, yes, too. So that's a 5A, 5B, 5C. But they all fall into the same and general 5D, idea. James Vandenberg is their, as their, as their curator. <laughs> okay, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> right, so go ahead with your uh, number four. Number four would be, a, it's a tag team. And it's just because you're seeing a lot of, you're seeing a lot of smaller guys now. Uh, doing a lot of flips, I think it would be better to balance out the scales, no pun intended. Um, my number four would be the natural disasters. If you could, you know, like if Earthquake and Typhoon were both like, if, if, if Uncle Fred was in his prime and Tenta was still with us, like Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred. But like just two fucking 400 pound guys that were just monsters. Like they don't have to do the flashy, like, top rope stuff that, like, Keith Lee can do, but they just be there, fucking big hoss motherfuckers. Like, it would work in this climate. Like, they're kind of trying to get that way with Mason T Bar, but, uh, like, girth is better than height sometimes. At the same time, I'm not sure you're ever going to get, um, Chris, Dominic, whatever the fuck you want to call him. I don't know if you're ever going to get him to stop doing all of the flippy shit he has in his repertoire. Yeah. Yes. So that, that kind of inhibits a little bit. Um, that's right. not, And that's not me saying that's a negative to him. I mean, as far as if we're comparing one to the other is what I mean. Right. Right. Um, I, I have a soft spot for him anyways because... Oh, I love, I love Chris. I um... Uh, number four. Uh, la, 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 la. Number four, number four, number four. Where am I going to go with this? You know what? I, 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 I'm bringing number four not because he they didn't do this well before. It's just one era to another. I don't know how they pull it off. And I get kind of dragging a second guy, too. Um, Mankind was the person I had on my list. But I also want to pull in a version of another guy, too, as an add-on to it. The original version of Sabu in ECW. With a Hannibal Lecter mask. And they wheeled the motherfucker in and had him chained to the... the, Uh And then they unchained him and let him go in the ring. Yeah. I just feel like like the metamorphosis of those two characters in 2021... I think it would just be interesting to see not just the presentation uh, in ring, but also what you do to build their characters outside the ring. Right. Because everybody remembers the Mankind vignettes with the rat and the the dark cellar. Um, Yeah. And obviously, remember the in-ring presentation with the music, the certain lighting, the different yeah. intro and outro songs that he had. Right. It just the execution in twenty twenty one. It kind of intrigues me, and I'd want to, I'd want to see how they would approach that in, a, in an environment where the violence, the attitude era doesn't quite exist anymore. So, yeah. getting the mankind character across would a, require a different approach this time. Yeah. I'll uh, go with your number three. My number three, it's a gimmick that 
I mean, the guy that did it obviously kind of like fucked himself in terms of like staying with the company and everything, but the gimmick <laughs> itself could be workable. <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit, yeah, just a little bit. But I think a gimmick that that would work in today's climate would be nails, just a fucking release convict that just fucking hate society, especially with the overpopulation of the prison prisons now that like it touches home. People still fucking people still watch Oz on Amazon Prime. Orange is the new black still fucking huge, even though it ended like uh, like two years ago already. Like just and it's something that like people can pe- people can relate to, like either as people who have dealt with the justice system or just Oh my god, that's the fucking epitome of heel is a fucking dude who was in jail for fucking aggravated assault or whatever, and now like what the fuck? Like he got jacked in prison. The the system made him like because like because they they did the baby face side with it with fucking with 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 our truth and with Nathan Jones where it was yeah. just like I'm reformed. But there's so much more that you can use with the system fucked me and the system built me and now I'm gonna fuck the system. Yeah, and that's and also true because you take a look. There's a lot more reality TV out there now, like uh, just Scared in general. Shit. Yeah, there's that. There's 90 Days In with uh, with right. A&E. I mean, there's yeah. so much. There's so much more uh, jail-based, crime-based reality TV out there where you could totally. Right. Rip off from that and apply it into characters so easily. That, that's uh-huh. a great one. I like that. I really like that. Um, number three. I'm going to be very specific on this, and there's a reason. The heel version of Doink the Clown. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like the heel version was. It was genius. It, w- it was genius. But it was very, it was, it was too, it was too PGified, essentially, is what I, like, like, there's a level PG where you're like, oh, that's still really cool and edgy. But they, they, they took all the edge out of the potential they could have had with that character and left it just as a kid-based heel character with the double doings and the, the fake right. arm. And I right. feel like you could take that and add a little edge of Pennywise, because yes. it has because it has really popped off again the last five years. You add an edge of Pennywise, that character. I don't, yeah, I don't see how that would fail. Yeah. yeah. I just think that a little bit of great timing for that. Yeah. I can agree with I, that. Number two. Okay. Number two, and this is because uh, also with the current climate of the product, how there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of trying to you know, cross over uh, professional wrestling with MMA. I mean, you see it in every, you see it in every company. And the thing is every time you, and especially you see guys that crossed over from MMA. I mean, with the exception of, with the exception of fucking Bob Lashley and Brock, who isn't really there, but a lot of the MMA guys you see are, were in the light heavyweight divisions, but it would work well in today's climate to have a super heavyweight from that. And that's, and that's, when this gimmick was first introduced, I was all behind it, even though I was a kid and he was a heel. But and I don't think that they ever fucking gave it justice. And that was the ultimate fighting machine, comma. Like that would be a fucking badass fucking character right now. 
you know, fucking just a UFC super heavyweight fucking people up. And like, because like, I mean, like Dan Severn, like was a legit shooter and everything, but he had no charisma. Like, kind of had charisma. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because as I was alluding to, um, year number two is also my number two but with a different character. <laughs> and uh, your number one is actually my honorable mention. So I'm not even ah. going to say it. I'll let you take care of that. Um, okay. So my number two, I'm still sticking with... Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with... Uh, Charles Wright. Charles Wright, yes. Thank you very much. But I'm going with the character before, comma, the ultimate fighter. I'm rolling with Papa Shango because, I mean... The voodoo shit, nobody really understood it back in 1992, 1993. Right. But with the abundance of different vampire shit that also opened up the lane for voodoo, like, uh, oh, what the fuck was, what was the name of that TV sh that show on HBO? Um, True Blood. True Blood. Yes. True Blood. Love the show, by the way. I'm, I'm assuming you watched it because you knew the name off the top of your fucking head. Um, I never finished it. I saw. I, I I stopped around the third season. Yeah, I I, I kind of faded out by the then too. But yeah. but True Blood opened a whole new fucking window for that stuff. And I right. feel like if you plus to me, you could have added some elements of what you see with the fiend now, and even yeah. with what Alexa Bliss is doing. It kind of gives shades of Papa Shango at points. So I just Dude. feel like if, if you put him in the 2021 climate, it would work. Dude, even imagine this. Because you got Alexa fucking with, fucking with Reginald. And you know how Reginald has like a French-ish accent? Mm -hmm. You could very well say that Reginald is from Haiti and he had to call backup from his family and fucking bring in fucking Papa Shango to counteract Alexa's voodoo. Like he, here's here, like here's the, and the reason I even brought up Papa Shango and the modern day stuff. There's an obvious connection. Um, he had kids freaking the fuck out when Ultimate Warrior was vomiting and twitching right. and shit. Right, and we had Randy Orton spitting up black shit on Raw before WrestleMania. Right. So like, right. I mean. If you didn't think of elements of Papa Shango at all during that shit, I mean, you're just right. fucking stupid. But uh, go ahead with your number one. Well, on that note, did you see they were? It was released a few weeks ago. There were, um, there were, there were promo photos taken of a concept of Papa Shango joining the Nation of Domination before they decided to just make him comma. Oh, you really? haven't seen those? Yeah, they like did like they did like different patterns of the face paint and like kind of like spruced them up a little bit. I'll see if I can find it after we go off air, but they looked fucking great. But they decided they were like, no, we're not gonna have you go back to Papa Shango. But they they had plans to bring him back like as part of the Nation of Domination. Hmm. Yeah. That would have been a twist. That would have been a really interesting twist, but yeah. But I think they just thought it was too hokey at the time, so they didn't do it. Given the attitude area, yeah. 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 But yeah. what's your number one? Uh, so my number one is, and it's like, and this was like, as a kid, it was one of the first times that I just absolutely fell in love with the heel character just because of the promos. And 
just the the whole the, the whole basis around the character and what and what it, you know what it was taken from and i think it would work well in this climate and bray wyatt was almost working in almost like this when he first started doing the bray wyatt character in nxt but this was still an a- animal of its own and i think that in this current climate will and mercy would be amazing yeah, I. Uh, the only reason I had him as an honorable mention is because in my heart of hearts, I knew with 110% of my being you were going to pick Waylon Mercy on your list. That's the only <laughs> reason I had him as an honorable mention. I'm like, this motherfucker's going to pick Waylon Mercy and I'm going to have no shot at this. But I had, uh, to put him, I had to have him at least on the list on my phone because to not put him on this list would have been a sin, honestly. Yeah. Um, my number one is... Um, I, I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. This requires a visual for you, sir. But if you're just listening to the audio version, you should be able to pick up what I'm putting down when I do this. You ready? Yes. Gold dust. I like if you thought that shit like let me put it this way Velveteen Dream wishes he was even half of what Goldust was back then and it's not putting anything down on Velveteen Dream the person Patrick I think his first name is if I remember correctly um, yes that's not to put Patrick down because you know I mean, he tried. He tried with his own little angle of doing that. Kind of. I think but he was trying to invoke more like Prince than he was it, Goldust. It, it, was a, yeah. it was a yeah, it was a little at first it was a lot of I th- I thought it was very Goldust-esque, but obviously the purple lent towards more Prince, but and then it got more Princey later on. Um yeah. but I just think like the Goldust character was earth-shattering to the time it came in. Yes. And what was it, 95, right? I want to say it was 95, like right after WrestleMania 11, essentially. Like, that was an earth-shattering debut and character to have for those first few years. If you take that and put it in the 2021 climate, I, uh, I, I legitimately don't know what kind of reaction you'd get out of it. I I, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what yeah. you get. Yeah. But by the way, I just sent you those concept photos. Okay. Give me ten seconds and I'll pull them up. Let's see what we got here. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that would have worked absolutely. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is on his table for three. Oh, is it? I see a table for three hashtag and logo on the second one without the hat. Oh, yeah. So it must have been. Yeah. Oh, how did I miss that during the table of three? Wow. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So, okay. Wow, that looks lovely. Um, yeah, that, that pretty much covers the show. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up quick? 
Uh, if you recall, I think on our last episode of the episode before that, I said people to poach my venue are only going to draw 30 people. Yes. Oh, yeah. What was the result? I didn't ask. 30 people. Exactly on the money. Uh, well, it looked like there was around 35, I would say, but I guarantee a minimum of five of those were comps and probably more. Um, yeah. Let me add to this. They had another show scheduled for that venue. That venue is no longer listed for that show now. You're not saying, but you're saying. Just saying. Oh, man. I I love love karma. Karma. Karma! (laughs) Sammy Zane! Karma! Yeah. Karma! Um... So I'm going to tease this because I'm teasing it without letting you know. Uh, next episode, which will be next week, so we're going to do another week plus, and then we'll recall, we'll recap a combination of this week's SmackDown followed by all of next week's WWE TV. That's how we're going to do it. But oh, okay. Episode, I didn't know if you wanted to like talk on Monday or not. <laughs> no, we'll we'll just okay. Well, just to make it work. But here's okay. here's what I'm teasing though as a topic, okay? All right. Because I wanted to throw and break shit when I saw this. <laughs> we are going to discuss the newly released WWE top fifty tag teams of oh, all time. Jesus list. fuck, yeah. We oh. we I, I knew we wouldn't have the time for it because well the other shit I had listed, but I saw uh, I saw who was number one, and I got yeah. a brief glimpse of the top five, and I wanted to snap. So yes. we will yes. get full. We will get knee deep into that shit next episode. But for now, we thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm Brian Katie. That's JJ Alexander. Once again, if you want to check us out on Twitter at Brian Katie. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-D-Y. He's easy. He's at JJ underscore Alexander. And no, I didn't mean he's easy. I meant his Twitter handle is easy. I'm um, easy like Sunday morning. That's the easy we'll go with. And then email uh, Brian.Katie at GodzillaMedia.com. G-O-Z-I-L-L-A Media.com. By the way, big thanks to Gaz, the boss man. Uh, gave us a little plug while he was talking about NXT briefly on one of his shows this week. Uh, nice. He's in love with Hero. Good man. Well, yeah. Good man. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for, thanks for the plug. And uh, if you're interested in his shows, uh, getting there with Gaz and Gaz on the Go or his two weekly shows, go check them out on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're checking this out. So, that said, this is another episode of White Heat, a wrestling podcast. Brought to you by Maha Kondo with a God way to please you and Godzilla Media. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Chill, relax, and please don't be an asshole and set off fireworks late. Let the dogs Seriously. get chill out. I mean, come on. Uh-huh. I, have, I have two little ones. I know you have your your your, your cutie pit bull. I mean, yep. come on, guys. Fuck off with the and fireworks. And they scare the shit out of them. Yeah. Exactly. So chill with the fireworks. Let the professionals handle it. Don't be that asshole in the middle of the street, all right? That said... Yeah. Enjoy your holiday weekend. We'll catch you next week right here on White Heat.